0: With a free download from the Lansley Lulon Church, we meet every Sunday morning at 10 30 am in the Lansley Church building. we the Bank of the General Alliance of Fernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at the Lansley Joel chapter 2, verse 25. I'm reading from the King James Version, which I tend not to do very often, but I thought it would be holy today. (laughs) So I'm reading from the King James Version. I don't know about you, but uh, I don't know, you, and if you go life verse I mean, certain verses are almost life verses I mean, verses that kind of stay with you or verses that are really, really almost part of your life really verses that you go back over and, and kind of verses that are kind of help shape your destiny and your, your, your direction in life and this is, if like, this is one of my life verses this is really one of my life verses uh, it's, it's Joel chapter 2 verse 25 I will restore to you the years the locusts have eaten, the canker worm, the caterpillar, the palmer worm, and, and my great army, which I sent among you. And ye shall eat in plenty and be satisfied, and praise the name of the Lord your God, who hath dealt wondrously with you, and my people shall never be ashamed. Okay, we just I, want, I, I just want to talk this morning on, uh, on restoration. Just very, and it kind of fits in a little bit what Angie said. There's principles I'm going to share, which are true of if you're praying for a loved one today. Um, this sense of the power of restoration. Look at the book of Joel. Really, it's kind of split up into, into three sections. Really, first chapter deals with desolation and all the kind of as, all that took place there. Chapter two, really is about restoration. Chapter three is all about judgment. And I want us to sort of, if you like, uh, just look at, to begin with, uh, at the descriptions, that's annoying, i I close them and closed. I'll go find the chapter again. Uh, <laughs> Why did I do that for? That was kind of a bit stupid. But as you look at, I want to look at the, the various descriptions of, of the locusts that are described right there. Because you'll see there's four... If you like, there's four different developments or four different stages of the locus. And you see, you, you see four four you see like four different descriptions or four stages of development. And I think they're kind of pictures of how the devil attacks us. They're incredibly, if you like, descriptive of how the devil attacks our lives. And so you're going to see how through these various descriptions, the developments of, of the locus, that... It shows you a little bit of how the devil will attack and try to rob from us different things in life. First one you see there is the the palmer worm. Now you can see the palmer worm. You may have a different kind of word from that in your Bible, but it's the palmer worm. Now what the palmer worm does, the description of the palmer worm, it's the kind of locust part of it that actually attacks fruit. That's what a palmer worm. The palmer worm will attack and target fruit. And it, what it does, it, it wears the fruit away by continual nibbling. <laughs> nibbles. How many? i, mean, I mean nibblers? <laughs> you know, you, you just casually nibble things. Eventually, it's gone. And that's the, what, the, the, what this is. What this palmer worm does? It, it nibbles away. Fruit really is the result of sowing and reaping. That's what fruits produced by. I think often with our lives that. The Bible says that, we, that if we sow spiritually, we reap spiritually. And often what we gain spiritually doesn't just kind of fall on us, it's a result of, of what we're sowing in life. Uh, the times we spend with God, the times we spend in his word, the times we spend in prayer, all those are incredible benefits because we're sowing into the spirit and we reap from that benefit. And one of the results of, of living that kind of life is that you become fruitful in your Christian life. That you're fruitful because of the things that you are sowing. And here's what, what this kind of palm worm does. This palm wood works little by little to rub the fruit. And really, isn't fruit the focus? You think of an apple tree. People don't plant an apple tree because they like it, an apple tree. So they say, wow, you know, I love apple trees, so I'm going to plant an apple tree. You plant apple trees because of the fruit that you want to gain from it. And that's why we 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 spend time in the Word, we spend time in God's presence, we worship, we praise, because we want to be people that produce fruit. And the Palmer worm comes to attack fruit by nibbling away. And I think Satan is the master nibbler. He, he commissions demon spirits to try to nibble away at our fruit. Let me find that? It's this gnawing that the enemy does. These demons which that gnaw away, that try to rob us of the fruit. Let me give you an example. You see Joel chapter 1, I think it's verse 12. It's a picture of what the, what the, what the locust does. It says, the vine is dried up, the fig tree languishes, the pomegranate tree, the palm tree, the apple tree, all the trees of the field are withered because joy is withered away from the sons of men. There's a powerful description that when this this palmer work comes in it just nibbles, it it eats away at the fruit toasts away the fruit and it speaks there that the fruit really one of the fruits there is that when all that fruit is gone what the people don't have is joy and I think one of the major things that the devil wants to eat away at your life is joy and I tell you why joy is a major source because the Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. So if the devil can eat away at your joy, you know what you're not going to have? You're not going to have spiritual strength. And I think often what takes place is over a period of time, the nibbling away over various things that go on in life, that, that you lose your joy. There's no joy in your life, no joy. In fact, that word joy means Laughter. The joy of the Lord becomes so strong it results in laughter of heart. And I often think we believe sometimes that people lose the ability they've got no joy, no laughter in their life. Just no laughter, no joy. Because the enemy has come and eaten away at the fruit. Step by step nibbles away. Nibbles away at the blessings of your life. Causes you to pull, pull pull back from God. Causes you to stop praying. Causes you to, to stop praising. And after happens this. It's, it's often little by little. It's not a sudden thing. It's little by little. The joy that you once knew has slowly began to evaporate little by little. Your walk with God has withered little by little. By little. So, last week on the fire of God, the fire of God that you once knew has withered, little by little. Often things can happen in marriage, little by little. Problems in family can happen little by little. They're never they're not a sudden thing, but slowly but surely, little by little things are nibbled away and things in your life just begin to wither. And you think, what's happened to my joy? What's happened to the walk with God I once knew? What's happened with the fire of God I once knew? What's happened to my marriage? What's happened to my relationships? What's happened to this, these areas of my life? Little by little, because the one thing about this particular locus you don't notice what it's doing. If you looked at this tree, you, you wouldn't notice anything wrong. But behind the scenes, the Palmer word is nibbling. Ever had something, and it may not seem big, but it's something inside you that eats away at you. You think to yourself, I should be really happy in life, but something inside is eating away at me. Everything may be fine outwardly, but on the inside, something, little by little, is gnawing you and eating away at your life. Just eating away at you, just eating away at you all the time. Maybe not a big thing, but it's just totally but by shoes, just eating away little by little in your life. Often we often say, you know, God. Why don't you do something about it? You know what God says to us: Why don't you do something about it? I'm going to see something today. I mentioned last week about the word power, and I mentioned the the, the, the miracle-working power. There's another word for power. It's a Greek word, exousia, and the Greek word exousia is another word for power, and it means authority. In other words, Jesus doesn't just give us miracle working power, he gives us the power of authority. And I think so often we allow the enemy to nibble at things in our life and what God says, rise up in authority and begin to say, devil, no more. I'm taking authority over you. You're not going to come against my family. You're not going to come against my marriage. You're not going to come against my children. You're not going to come against the fruits in my life. You're not going to come against areas of my life. I'm taking exusia. I'm taking authority over these things. When you rise up in authority, you begin... In other words, you, you know what they do when the, the, these locusts are trying to nibble at the fruit? You know what they do? They spray it. Don't eat the fruit, but their point is that they, they spray it. And sometimes we need to spray the enemy by declaring the word of God over our lives. We begin to declare what God has said, and we declare it, we spray the enemy out of those situations. Can you say amen? Where's the next one? The next one is, and you see the word army. Let me see that. It's army. In, 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 in other words, the locust is described as an army it's, it's a military word because when locusts attack something they don't just come in singles there are millions and millions of locusts that come and really this is defined as a military locust one that studies and when one has studied they launch out in attack the Bible says the devil is like a roaring lion seeking who he might devour in other words, he's looking for ways to shut you down. And he will always attack anything that will affect the outcome of God's purpose in your life. He tries to interrupt your life by causing disturbance and, and distractions that cause you to miss what God intends through your life. He'll come at you with lies and deceptions, through accusations, through condemnation. He'll declare things over you that he'll say you're not good, you're worthless, you're, and he'll, he'll remind you of various shameful things. He'll put doubt, unbelief, fear. He'll attack the word of God in your life. How many realise the Bible speaks as the strategies and the plans of the evil one? Do you know what? This may shock some of us, but you know what? The, the enemy studies you. He sees where you're vulnerable. He sees where you're weak and he studies you. And he's always looking for a way to kind of get into your situation, to get into your life. you glad that as long as we don't look to our circumstances, as long as we don't look to our feelings, as long as we don't look to the outward things, and just focus on what God has said and what God's Word has declared, and, and we live in obedience to what His Word says, then you know what the enemy's got no way in. He only enters in when we don't, when we believe the lie. He only enters in when we begin to believe our feet, when we believe the circumstances rather than what God has said in His Word. And we, when we do that, we break the strategy and the plan often that the enemy has against our life. And we glad that right now Jesus is praying for you. He's your high priest. And we just stand on the word of God. We, we keep connected to God. And I tell you what, God will always cause your success. The enemy will always lose. Can you say Amen when you hold on to the Word, when you stay connected to the living God. No weapon that is formed against you will what? Prosper. Will succeed. It doesn't say there won't be a weapon formed against you, but what it does say is that it won't be successful. Here's a third one. I kind of like this one. This is my kind of favourite, really. Not my favourite in terms of, you know, but of all the descriptions, this is one of my favourite ones. The cankerworm. Now the canker worm really is the locust larva. It's almost this worm, you know, the, the, the eggs that it lays. It speaks about the eggs first, because when locust lays an egg, what it does it it begins to when it hatches there's undercover activity. There's a picture. It's a picture of the locust laying eggs, and when the eggs hatch, all kinds of destruction takes place. Before it hatches, there's no destruction. But the moment that egg hatches, incredible destruction is released. It's, I would define it this. It's, it's undercover activity. And that's the, what the enemy does subtly to lay eggs in our lives. I think there could be eggs of unforgiveness, for example, that begin to derail our life. They're like worms that kind of work their way into your life. Somebody said something, someone did something, and something's being deposited in you. Now, here's the point. When that egg is hatched, something breaks out of it. And so when eggs of unforgiveness, if you like, are thrown into our hearts, then it's not too long, as we begin to kind of brood over those things, that something hatches in our lives. Bitterness comes, anger comes, unforgiveness comes, resentment comes, because something has been birthed in our life because we allow the egg to begin to grow in our life. Then we was try and sow eggs of fear and anger, rejection, unbelief. And if we don't dig those things out of our life, eventually, they will cause something negative to be manifested in our life. I think another picture of the sense is that the enemy comes to attack your possibilities before they become a reality. That's what he does. He attacks your possibilities. He attacks what you could become before it becomes a reality. It tries to attack your dreams and your destiny. The things that God promised you. Your potential. The enemy tries to get in before that is manifested and that thing is developed in your life. It's trying to destroy it before it grows in you. I wonder how many potentials. I wonder how many abilities and things the enemy has robbed from people. People they could have become. Amazing things they could have done. Amazing potential that could have manifested. But the enemy got in on the early stages and laid eggs and destroyed the potential that was going to take place. The devil comes. Let me show you a verse. Isaiah 59 verse 5. I want you to think about this picture of how the enemy will try to lay eggs in our lives I want you to see something you're the person really who determines whether those eggs will grow you're the one that determines how they will develop and how they will grow in you in other words the devil will try to put eggs there but we're the ones who determine whether those eggs grow You know, today they could take eggs. And if they put them in an incubator and they're the right conditions, the eggs will grow. Isn't that true? And here's the point the enemy will sow eggs into our life. And if we allow him to have the right conditions, then the thing's going to burst forth in our life. Let me show you a verse here Isaiah 59. Isaiah 59, verse 5. They hatch viper's eggs and weave the spider's web. He who eats the eggs of their eggs dies. From that which is crushed, a viper breaks out. Now those of you who are parents, you know one of the worst things is? Ever seen that sometimes and your children start scratching their head? Remember those days, you know? And you go, oh, you have a quick look and you notice. I mean, you remember those days? <laughs> yeah, that's a... Not Richard, for sure. But, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you know. <laughs> but, I mean, funny. you funny. Oh, and, and you just realise, you know, something kind of moves and, and you realise the eggs are there. You know what I'm, I'm talking about. There's all the comb and all the stuff to kind of get rid of that. And I think in life, there's real... Tra- tra- if you see people who've got the, who actually forwards all kinds of things, all kinds of sinful things in life... How do you realise it doesn't just happen overnight? It doesn't just happen. It doesn't just one night people wake up and do it. I think what happens is the devil is patient. There's a process. There's a a process of progress. In other words, the enemy plants thoughts into our mind and he awaits to see if they hatch. And here's the point. We have got to dig out those thoughts because for they grow in our lives. Is that true? The Bible says, bring down, cast down every vain thought and every vain imagination. Take those thoughts captive. Don't allow those things to grow and develop in your life. Thoughts of negativity, thoughts about people, lustful thoughts, wrong thoughts about God. If we dwell on them, eventually they will begin to act, hatch, and we will begin to act on them refuse to receive them and refuse to allow them to grow and develop in your life. You cast, pull down those thoughts. Any thought that is contrary to what God has said about your life and who you are, you pull those things down and refuse to allow them to grow and develop in your life. Here's the next, the, the, the fourth thing before I move on to the, restor- the good part, the restoration path. He speaks about the caterpillar. And that really is a description of the locust that is fully grown. That comes in its millions. And notice stages. See what the canker worm didn't eat. The other, and it goes on because whatever is left over, the other particular part of the locust begins to eat. And here's the final one. In other words, this eats whatever is left over. See, I want to tell you today that the devil comes to, Jesus says that when the devil comes and he comes in stages, he comes to kill, he comes to steal and he comes to destroy. Look at Joel chapter 1 verse 8 because this is what the major thing that the enemy is after. This is what he wants to steal above all else in your life. Joel chapter 1. And verse 8. The man like a virgin girded with sackcloth for the husband of a youth. The grain offering, the drink offering has been cut off from the house of the Lord. Priest mourn who minister to the Lord. This picture of the virgin, really, who loses the bridegroom that she's about to to get married to. It's a picture of what the devil wants to do, really. The locust ultimately comes to destroy intimacy with God. He knows that above all else that he can destroy a lot of other things in your life. But if he can rob you of intimacy with God, then really nothing else is going to work in your life. How you realise that? And so the major focus is after is your, your intimacy, your walk with God. Because when, the, when, your, when your intimacy with God is destroyed then you're cut off from the jaw. You're cut off from your source. You're cut off from your connection. You're cut off from the strength. You're cut off from the ability. And I think God wants that cry of our hearts. Oh, that we would know him. Oh, that we would know his presence. Oh, that we would know his embrace. Oh, that we would know his breath upon our faces. And the enemy wants to rob you of intimacy and closeness of God. Because if he can... If he can rob you of your source, then nothing else is going to work. I and mean, you realize that? Nothing else. Nothing else will really come together if our walk and our intimacy with God has been robbed away. And so this locust comes — and there's lots of other things being robbed. you're losing your jaw, you're losing your fruit, but ultimately the final one is to come and to destroy you and rob you of your walk and your intimacy with God. But how many are glad for the promise? I will, says the Lord, no matter what comes against your life, all these various attacks in your life, I will restore to you the years the locusts have stolen. How many are glad for that verse? Notice this. Number one, it's actually going to happen. I will do it. If God says I will, think that's a pretty powerful statement. And he says I will restore... You, it's, it's something personal for your life. I will restore you. No matter how the devil has attacked your life, God says, I will restore it. Sometimes all kinds of things in life can push us down. We can go through disappointments, setbacks. And almost, because we go through the setbacks, because we go through all kinds of discouragements, you know what the danger is? Sometimes we never expect anything to get there We just expect things to remain as they are. And maybe something unfair has happened to you. You've been betrayed in some way. There's been some kind of family crisis. Sometimes even trouble can be brought on by our own poor choices. Maybe some failure in our life. That has affected us. And we can go through life in self-pity or a negative, defeated attitude. And so we end up with broken dreams. And a voice that begins to tell us nothing will ever get better. But here is this great promise. No matter what you've been through, no matter what you've lost, no matter how the enemies attack your life, the promise of the Lord is this. I will restore to you. Everything that has been stolen from you I will restore to you says the Lord, God of hosts. Can you say Amen? He's the restorer. I they glad that God is a God of restoration. That's one of the main promises right here in the scriptures. God is a God of restoration and there's nothing, absolutely nothing in your life that God can't restore. Now, the word restore in the Bible actually means to bring back to its original condition. It also means, I want you to get an idea, it means, actually it means it's an idea of restoration, it's an idea of increase, improve, make better. In other words. No matter how good the thing was before, when God restores it, it's better than what it was before. Isn't that awesome? It doesn't just leave it as it was before. It's always better, always improved, always increased. And here's what we need to develop. We need to develop a restoration mentality. That no matter what's been stolen, no matter what ways the enemy has come against our life, no matter what things have happened in our life. We believe that God is going to restore it. There's an expectation in God's restoring power. It's an attitude of faith. It's an attitude that believes no matter how dark the situation is, we believe that God can come into it and God can restore it. Isn't that awesome? Look what it says in, because there's the key to it all really. Joel 2 verse 12. Now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. So rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God. He's gracious and merciful, slow to anger of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. This is what I kind of feel. That Sometimes, you know, I think things have been stolen from us. And there's the thing. Sometimes we allow unbelief to get in. There's attitudes that, that we know that we shouldn't have had and reactions that we shouldn't have had. And the thing that brings supernatural restoration is often a simple recognition, God, we sinned. God, we we, allowed, we 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 responded in the wrong way, we well, I allowed unforgiveness to get in, I allowed unbelief. I mean unbelief is a major thing in a lot of believers' life. And so Lord, forgive me for my unbelief. And here's the point when we begin to become to a true heart repentance, God releases supernatural restoration. I don't believe, with all my heart, there's nobody who truly comes to a heartfelt repentance that doesn't see some power of supernatural restoration. This power of restoration, power is, is, is released. The other thing about the word restoration, or you know it also means—I like this one—it means to, to. The word "restore" means to put back on the shelf. Ever been around a shop? i been involved in this recently. Go around a shop and. You, You've got your heart set on something. Any of you have you had that? I've found that recently. You go there, you have built up in your mind, this is what we're going to have for lunch. I can't wait to have it. And you go there, and it's empty. There's nothing there. Any of you have you ever found that? And you think, why don't they? Re- why don't they actually begin to put stock back on? Why don't they replenish? I'm, not, I'm not looking at the list there. Yeah, your fault. <laughs> <awful. laughs> to replenish, to restock. And this is a picture God through restoration, begins to replenish. God replenishes. He puts back, on, he puts back in stock into your life. Where you've, you've had things just drawn out of you. God has a restoration power to begin to restock what has withered and what has been lost. One thing i found, this is kind of shocked a lot of people, but God is more concerned about your success than, than you are. Isn't that powerful? Now think about this. God says, I'll restore to you not necessarily the things, but what does he restore back? The years. Now you think about this. What would you rather have? Have a choice in life. You can either have things restored back to you, or have years restored back to you. I think if you had the choice, you'd choose the years rather than the things, because things really are quite easy to replace. But what about the years? very hard to replace years. And there's this great promise. God says, I will restore to you the What? The years. Think about the years that we feel that we've lost. Years that maybe you gave to a relationship that seemed to be lost. Years that you gave to a career. Years that you gave even to a child maybe. And because of the circumstances you feel the pain of wasted years. I feel as a parent, I can actually look back and think, you know what, oh my goodness, I should have. How many of you felt that sometimes? Oh, I should have done that differently. How many of you felt that? And you feel, oh man, I, I did waste time on that. And sometimes it's almost the, the grief of regret sometimes that kind of grips us. We just feel these wasted years. Maybe there were years where, where you were away from God. And you think, oh, if I would not been away from God all those years, there's all kinds of things I could have done because I was away from God those years seemed so wasted maybe years when I, I wasn't on fire for God in the way I should have been and I didn't reach the people I should have reached didn't impact people the way I should have impacted them because of those years that I just wasn't on fire for God maybe you feel the wasted years of mistakes you feel oh, you know what? those mistakes have cost me years in life I made bad choices, bad mistakes and have caused me to lose years wasted years. I've known people and, and, and that, 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 they're overwhelmed by the sense of regret because of the years that they wasted on, on a certain lifestyle. But aren't they glad if they say, God will restore the, the years the locusts have eaten. You know what strikes me? We had them in Wales and I think we might have been, they may have had in Guernsey. Have you ever seen Teen Challenge? Ever seen Teen Challenge? And what they do, they tend to show photographs of people, what they were like before they went in. People who had wasted years of their life on drugs and all the impact and all the effects it had on their body, all those years of destruction of, of, of what drugs had done to their life. And then you see them a year, two years later, put the photograph off. It's almost, you don't even recognize it's the same person. That person seems so drawn and so withered, suddenly now, he's beaming. You know, you, you, their faces are just, you wouldn't even recognize it's the same person. God has restored to them the years the locust has eaten. And there's the thing I love, that God can do that for us. How does he do it? How many realise that God is a God of acceleration? God can do in a moment that we could take a lifetime to do. And what God does, he begins to accelerate things in your life. And things that maybe have taken years before, suddenly God begins to bring them back in a moment. He accelerates things. Things are accelerated. And God takes all, those, all the brokenness, all the pain of those years, you know what he begins to do? He begins to use them. Because the Bible says he takes the ashes and he makes something beautiful from it. He makes beauty from ashes. There's nothing in your life that God can't use and make it something amazing and awesome. Because he's the God of what? Restoration. Let me close by this. Go with me to book of Job. Let me kind of land it. So much more I could say that, but let me just land this this way due to time. Job 42. How many believe that Job went through a pretty tough time? Man, he lost everything. <laughs> you think you lost some things? He lost everything, man. He literally had nothing left everything in his life was stolen. And the Bible says it was Satan who attacked him and stole all those things from his wife. And he had some wonderful friends who came to really encourage him and make you feel better about himself. No. They're the kind of friends that you probably wouldn't need. I love to see, because chapter 42 really is really a chapter of restoration. God restoring the years that Job lost. We don't know how many of the years were, but look at the restoration. i just look at the restoration. There's the, the first thing in verse 5. Here's Job. He says, I've heard of you by the hearing of your ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore I abhor myself and repent in dust ashes." Here's the first thing that was restored back to him. It began to have a true view of God. I think the danger is in life that when we go through hard experiences, we tend to, it causes us to have a distorted view of God. You can't measure God by the negative experiences in life. I see so many people, their view of God is the negative of the, the experience they have of God. That's how they view God, because of negative experiences. You can't bring God down to your negative experiences. But I think you've got to allow God's word to raise you up into that level. Don't allow negative experiences to to distort your view of God. And Job, through all that, began to develop a distorted view of God. And suddenly when he sees God, he says, you know what? I've had a totally wrong concept of God. In other words, I think the view you have of God is the most important thing about you. The way you see God. If you have a a distorted view of God, it's going to affect everything you do in life. But God restores a correct view, a correct picture of God. Here's the second thing. Verse 10 says, And the Lord restored Job's losses. Now notice this, he has to pray for his friends, which would have been a good challenge. But indeed the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. So God restored freedom back to him. God restored... Double what he lost. As you read that through, all that he lost, God restored to him double what he lost. And in verse 11, he speaks about how his reputation was restored back to him. Now, let me close with this because this is, to me, this is amazing. This is absolutely awesome. And you may remember that during his time where the enemy attacked him, all his children died. i not remember my story? And here's the incredible thing: God restored to him the children. I want you to notice particularly the names of the daughters because the names of the daughters are a reflection of what God restored into his life. He had seven boys and three daughters. That's an interesting challenge. That's what God restored back to him. And I want you to notice the three daughters and their names are a reflection of the things that God restored back to him. Verse 14 says, and he called the name of the first Jemima. I know a Jemima. He called the name, the first name, Jemima. And that word Jemima means as fair as the day. It means maturity and purity. In other words, she had a beautiful, sweet spirit. And I think here's the challenge we have. We can either become bitter or we can become sweeter. Some saying today, refuse to become bitter, but allow the things you go through in life to make you. Sweeter. The next name there. So God restored sweetness to him. Keziah is the next name. And the word Kaziah means it's actually taken from a from a flower, the flower. Which means, and I love this, a sweet fragrance, a sweet aroma. In other words, it's a picture of somebody that goes through brokenness. And out of the brokenness comes an incredible, beautiful sweetness. And God begins to use what you've been through to bring a fragrance to somebody else. Isn't that true? So the greatest people who are going to ever help you in life are people who've been through the most hardest, toughest, broken situations in life. And they become almost a sweet, savouring fragrance to you. You know why that is? Because you know they've been through it and they've come out the other end. And because of that, it's like a sweet smelling savor that encourages you in life. I can think of people like that who, who are an encouragement in life of how they've come through in life. It's also that particular flower was used in, in various anointings, and it was, it was used for a, a total dedication to God. In other words, what someone has been through, there becomes a new abandonment to Christ. The third name, I probably won't pronounce it right, but stay with me. is the word Keren. Keren. And the word Karen there means, it means a, a hollowed container. It's the same word that was used for Moses' face shining. And there's this beautiful picture. That sometimes we go through things in life and when God restores us, we become a vessel, a carrier of God's glory. We begin to reveal, we begin to demonstrate, we begin to release a greater level of God's glory. And that word there is Karen Hapuch. I don't know what that is. I think it's pronounced Hapuch, wherever it's pronounced by. But that actually means it was the paint that was used in a woman's eyes to make her sparkle. (laughs) That's really weird. So, where's this picture? Get a hold of it. It's amazing. It actually means to make a woman's eyes sparkle. If you look at actually in the Hebrew, you know what it actually means in the Hebrew? Fire in your eyes. The Bible says that Jesus, He was a burning fire in His eyes. It's almost that when we go through the things of life, that when God restores, He leaves you with an incredible fire that burns in your eyes. I'm so glad today. I'm glad that God is a God of restoration. I want you to get a hold of your life today. So whatever you feel the enemy has come against you in the various aspects of your life, begin to believe today that our God is a God of restoration. And there's nothing in your life, there's nothing in my life, that the enemy has stolen that God cannot restore back to you. Only believe he's a rest- restorer. Let's believe it right now. Let's stand right now I don't know what kind of things you can in your life now you feel but let's begin you know what it says in Isaiah it says, declare God, rest-, and it actually speaks about it, restore, restore, restore and I want you to look at things right now in your life that you feel the enemy has stolen and I'd encourage you now begin to declare over those things restore Restore, restore. Begin to see it in your mind's eye. And begin to declare right now, Restore, restore, restore. Whatever you feel right now in your heart, the enemy has stolen. I want to tell you that though the enemy comes to steal, the Bible says that Jesus has come, that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. And anything that robs you of abundant life, Jesus comes to restore back to you. So why don't you now, in that situation, Lord, today, I'm believing you for restoration. I'm believing you, Lord, that you can restore that back to me. Even my mistakes, even my bad choices, even my failings, God can still restore it. Can you say Amen. I think the enemy wants to condemn you right now and make you feel that because that maybe was a mistake you made, that that can't be restored back to you. And that's a a lie from the enemy. There's nothing God can't restore. Even our bad mistakes he can restore. Even our bad choices he can restore. The things that other people have come against us with he can restore back. It's just believing that God can restore. He's a restorer of every single area and sphere of your life right now. Whatever it is. Just begin to declare that now. Say, Lord, today I'm asking you for restoration in my life. I don't deserve it. I don't earn it. But Lord, by your grace and your power, God, would you restore back to me what the enemy has stolen, little by little. Moment by moment, but Lord, I see the enemy is stolen. And I'm claiming back. In fact, the Bible says if you catch the thief, you can demand three times the money back that he stole. Believe, God, for double restitution in your life right now. Say, Lord, today you restore. You restore, you restore, you restore. You're the God of restoration. Father God, today we lift our hearts to you. And I just want to thank you today that you are the God of incredible restoration. Thank you today. There's nothing that you can't take. No, there's nothing broken in our life that today, Father, you can't repair. Nothing that we've lost that you can't return back to us. Nothing that has been stolen from our life that, Lord, that you don't restore back. And we're crying out to you today for restoration, Lord. We believe you today in faith that you are a God of restoration. We believe with all our hearts today, Lord, there's nothing in our life that you can't restore back to us. And today, Lord, we put our faith in you. We believe you, I believe you, Lord, for restoration. Restoration. We said earlier, Lord, we believe in you for, for our children. We're believing for a restoration for children who have wandered from you, Lord. We're believing you for relationships to be restored. We're believing you for marriages to be restored. We're believing you for finance to be restored. We're believing you for, 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 for the broken things in our life to be restored. We're believing you in every sphere, in every dimension of our life, We're believing you for restoration. Thank you, Lord, today that you restore even the years that we feel that we've lost, years that we feel that we've wasted. And I pray today for a spirit of acceleration to fall, that you'd accelerate things in people's lives today, Father. You'd accelerate restoration, Lord. Lord, I pray that, Lord, you would do in a moment that, Lord, we would never be able to do in our lifetime. Because you're the God who restores the years back that the enemy has stolen. Lord, we realise he's a thief, but we thank you that you are a greater restorer. And so, Lord, we proclaim, we declare, we thank you. We worship you today, the God of restoration. We thank you for your restoring power. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Elim Church. For more downloads or to contact us, please visit our website at (laughs) delanceyelam.co.uk.